love our college students and enjoy having them. Um, last week was, uh, I think most of them left, and now we still have some. And so uh, more tearful goodbyes, but it's okay. If you want to come back next week, we could have three tearful goodbyes. I'm open to that as well. Hey, listen, before we get into the sermon, I got to tell you something. And, and I, I don't tell you this um, as a sort of like a public service announcement for our church and, and so forth. But anyway, I'll just tell you. Recently, I was talking to somebody in the community. And we, I can't even remember what we're talking about now. But just out of the blue, um, sort of mid-conversation, they paused and they said, hey, I just want to thank you for the work you and your people are doing in the community. And, and I don't know why I'm surprised, because I, I but, but I, I paused and I thought about it. I, I mean, people are seeing the work that's being done by, by the people here. Uh, the Serving Saints ministry, the, the work that we're doing in the elementary school and the middle school, the, the Deacon's Fund and the generosity in helping those in the community, the work at Villa Way, uh, the work in the Food Network. Um, there's so many things you all are doing that's incredible. And by the way, we don't announce these things. It's not like we're on Facebook or Twitter. There's no way we have a banner up saying, here are all the things that our church does. But, but people are seeing it, and they're glorifying God as a result of it. And that's the work that you're doing in the community. And, and there's so much more that you're doing that I don't even know about. That, that I'm not privy to, and, and yet here it is. People in the community are seeing it, and they're glorifying the Lord as a result of it. So wh- what do I have to say? Keep doing it. And, and I know you're not doing it to be praised by men. I know that. But you're doing it because you love the Lord, and you understand what our mission is. And, and you're doing it because you have a desire to bless others. Um, and some of you do it in different ways. Some of you pray, some of you give, some of you give of your time and your effort. You work tirelessly, and people are seeing it and praising the Lord for it. And so I just want to thank you for the work that you're doing. Um, I, as your pastor, I, I just praise the Lord um, for all of you. And I pray that the Lord continues to use us in our community um, to the praise of his glorious grace. All right, uh, let's take our Bibles now and turn to Colossians chapter 3, verse 18, 4 through 1. Colossians 3, 18, 4 through 1. Let's dive into this passage. The Word of God says this. Wives, uh, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bondservants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, 
knowing that you also have a master in heaven. For all flesh is as grass, and the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that will be taught unto you. Amen and amen. Well, let's go to our Lord in prayer. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, come now. Illuminate the hearts and minds of the people. Father, this is your people. They have come to hear from you. And I pray that they do. Any word that I say that does not glorify you, may they quickly forget. And every word I say that brings them into deeper and more sweet fellowship and relationship with you and turn their hearts to you, may that word be magnified above all. Bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, two weeks ago, we started, um, we sort of looked at this portion of God's word. And, and what we were trying to do there is we, we talked about it as the household code. And, and, you know, every society had household codes, like secular codes, where they talked about what to do in the family and how the family should interact together and, and husbands and wives and children and work within that particular family. So that's nothing new. What's new about this household code is, is and how it differs from all secular household codes is this. In the secular household code, the husband, the man, was Lord. If you look at this household code, who's Lord? Jesus. Jesus is Lord. That's the point of this. You see, if you name the name of Christ, if, if Christ has transformed your life, if you are a believer... If you can testify to the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, Paul is saying this. Your marriages should look differently. The way you parent should look different. And the way you work and conduct business should look radically different because something radically different has happened to you. You've been redeemed. And Paul says in verse number 17 of chapter 3, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That's our calling as believers. That's what we are called to do. Now, we, uh, two weeks ago, we looked at the relationship between husband and wife. And today, we're going to look at the relationship between children and parents. But I have to give a public service announcement first, and it's this. Many of us inside here today, some of us have been blessed to have godly parents. But then there are some of us inside here today that wasn't given that blessing. And in many ways, we bear the scars of not having the kind of parent that, that God called you to have. And there are some of you inside here today, um, you, you try with all your heart to be a good parent. And the Lord's blessing you. And then there's some of you today, you're going to look through this passage and see all the ways that you're failing. But, but here's, what I, here's what I want to tell you up front. I'm not here to make you feel guilty. I'm here to remind you of the grace of God within parenting. Uh, children, know this. Parenting's hard. I wish, I wish I had had an appreciation for that when I was growing up. I was a terror to my mother. 
right? But I was like the good kind of terror, you know? I was more like, you know, like I was more like what Tasmanian devil, you know, I destroyed stuff. Um, much like my youngest, right, in many ways. Some of you laugh because you know. But, but, but that's the reality. Parenting's hard and being a child's hard. And what, what we need more of is we need more plain talk about that relationship and our calling to redeem that relationship. So that's what we're going to talk about. Okay, that's what we're going to talk about today. Now, notice in this passage, uh, in verse 20 and 21, we're going to focus our attention on this. There are three, three people mentioned, three sets of people mentioned, the children, the parents, and the father. Now, I want to start off with the children. So children, listen up. Now, what's a child? Now, the word here is technon, which means uh, older child and younger child. But what Paul has in view here are younger children within uh, the home that, that need moral instruction. Now, you older children, hold on. I, I'm going to talk to you at the end, right? But for right now, I just want to talk about the little children. So look at me. Pay attention. Don't fall asleep just yet. Give me seven minutes. Now, everyone else, you could listen in as well. But especially the children, listen to me, okay? Give me seven minutes of your time. Children, I want you to notice something interesting. Notice how in this passage, Jesus speaks to you first before your parents. Do you notice that? I, I mean, in fact, uh, in all of them, he speaks to the wives before, before the husbands, the children before the parents and fathers and the bondservants before your masters. But, but, but again, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I want you to notice that Jesus speaks to you first. Do you know why that's the case? Because you're valued in the kingdom of God. You know, in the ancient Near East, if you lived during the time of Jesus, you were considered pests, slaves. That's why when, when the children were brought to Jesus, what did his disciples do? They said, get away. You, you all can't handle the teachings of Jesus. You're, you're pests and slaves. But Jesus says what? Suffer the little children to come unto me for such is what? The kingdom of God. In God's kingdom, God treats you as if you have moral agency. Here's what that means. That means that God expects you to be obedient. God expects you to carry out his moral commands on earth. That's an expectation of you. Recently, um, me and my family started watching The Chosen. If you haven't watched it, I commend it to you. It's actually fantastic. But, but what shocked me was the third episode, they devoted entirely, entirely to Jesus ministering to the children. And my parent, my, my, uh, all of our family was watching it, and, and I pointed that out to them. I said, look at what Jesus is doing to these children. He's elevating them. And he's saying that your task in the home is just as important as your parents' task in the home. He's giving you moral agency. He's saying, hey, don't fall asleep when you're in church. Try to listen to the pastor. And by the way, I try to use smaller words and simpler concepts. That's why I use a lot of illustrations, because I want you to be involved. I want you to hear me. Because God loves you, and he expects you to obey his commands. He wants you to listen to what 
the gospel says, and he wants you to live it out. Moral agency, that's what you have, and it's important. You're valued in the kingdom of God. In fact, when God created the world, he had you in mind. And if you ever doubt that, look at your belly button. When God told Adam and Eve, you will have seed. Be fruitful and multiplied. He had you in mind. And so therefore, you are valuable to the kingdom of heaven. Now, what is your task? Little children, you still with me? I, I think I have three more minutes. What's your task? Notice, he says, children, obey. That's your task. Obey. Now, I'm going to tell you this. To obey doesn't mean you do whatever your parents tell you to do. Some of you are saying amen. I'd like, he's preaching the book now. Actually, it means something way more profound than that. The word obey here is a combination of two words, under and hear. Under and hear. Now, here's the power behind that word. God is telling children that you need to listen to those that God has put over you. And not just listen to obey. Like, not just listen to do. But, you know, dogs can obey. Th there's a woman that started walking past my home recently, and she's training a dog, and she's amazing. You know, she has the little thing in her back. I mean, she has all the equipment. When the dog stops, you know, when she stops, the dog stops. When she gives the dog's command, and she puts a little drop of food in the dog's mouth. The, the dog is perfectly obeying. But you know what the dog lacks? An intellect to understand why it is obeying. And what Jesus wants from you, little children, is to understand what your parents are telling you. Listen to your parents and understand the wisdom behind what they're telling you. Why is that? Well, I want to give you three reasons. Number one is this. You're not going to be children for the rest of your life. One day you're going to grow up. And when you grow up, if you stuff your ears, or if you have heavy ears and don't listen to what your parents are telling you, you know what's going to happen? You're going to grow into a big baby. And do you know who I meet a lot in our world? Adults who act like children. And do you know why they act like children? Because when they were younger, they neglected to listen to the wisdom of their parents. That's what they neglected to do. The word obey here has the idea of moral agency. You are expected by God to listen to your parents and to understand the wisdom behind what your parents are saying and implement the things that are good and wise and pleasing to the Lord. That's your responsibility. And God says you can do it. Because the same spirit that resides in your parents reside in you. And even if you're not a believer, you're still made in the image of God. You still have faculty forming abilities. You still are able to understand what God's word says and put it into practice. But there's another very important reason why you should obey your parents. And it's at the very end of this passage. It's pleasing to the Lord. The Lord finds pleasure when you obey your parents because you are now acting in accordance with his will. Now, there's, there's something in here 
uh, not in here that's in a parallel passage in Ephesians where Paul says that you should obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment of what? Promise. That it may go well with you. Now I have one more minute, so I want you to listen very carefully to this. I totally fudged it. I don't know how much time I have left. But about one minute. I'll give one minute left. So here's what I want to say in this last minute. I have your attention. Why is it so important for you little children to obey your parents? Because attached to your obedience is a promise that it may go well with you in the land. You know, I have never seen it gone well with a child who disobeyed their parents. I'm not terribly old, but I'm old enough. And I've seen enough examples, and I've read through the Bible enough times. I have never seen it to where a child who practices and who is disobedient towards their parents, I've never seen it gone well for them in the land. Now, you might be sitting there and thinking, Pastor Dennis, you're just trying to scare us. No, I'm not. What I'm telling you is a fact. If I told you, look, do not jump out of an airplane without a parachute, am I trying to scare you? No, I'm trying to tell you something about gravity, the law of gravity. You know, there's also a spiritual law, and the spiritual law says if you practice disobedience toward the holy and good commands of your parents, it will never go well with you in the land. That's a spiritual law and a spiritual fact. And that's God's calling for you. All right, now I'm, I'm done talking to you. Please still pay attention, but if you don't, I understand. understand. All right, parents, um, let's talk. Let's talk. Um, Actually, no, children, can I tell you one more thing? (laughs) I know your time's up, but but I want to tell you one thing. Um, Notice notice it says children obey your parents in everything, in everything. I almost forgot that bit, in everything. What does in everything mean? Again, and everything doesn't mean everything your parents tell you for this one reason, because your parents are sinners and they might tell you to do sin. I remember um, when I was young, before, like, cell phones, um, we, we had, like, real phones. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about, but they were real phones. I was young, right? And I, w- I went over by a friend's house, and the phone rang, and my friend picked up the phone. He put down the phone, he went into the other room, and he asked his, and his, he told his mother, I can't remember, someone was on the phone. And she said, tell them I am not here. And I remember the existential crisis that ensued in my friend. Now, eventually, he he went to the phone, he picked it up, and he said, my mother's not here, and he hung up the phone. What he probably should have done is says, my mom says she's not here, and hang up. That's probably that's what she should have done. That's what he should have done, but he didn't do that. He, he, he obeyed his parents, but it was a lie. And, and if he didn't, God would not have punished him for that. You are under no moral obligation to obey sin from your parents. That's the beauty of this passage. That's why, young children, you need to know the word of God, and you need to apply wisdom in every situation, because your parents are sinners. And you need to be able to know what is a lawful command from God and what's not. Okay, now I'm done. Couldn't, couldn't let that one pass. All right, parents, give me five minutes because I know you. <laughs> I know. No, 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 but it's seven and then five, right? So give me just five minutes of your time, okay? It's tough being a parent. 
It's tough. I know. Because I'm one. It's hard. And so what I'm about to say isn't meant to beat us down. But, but it's in God's word. Now, notice um, in verse 21, it's to the fathers. And I'll get to that for a moment. But it says, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Now, there's an implicit command in here and there's an explicit command in here. So I'm going to give the implicit. Implicit simply means it's in the text but not as visible. And what's in the text and not as visible is this. We ought to be teaching our children. We ought to be intentional in teaching our children. What should we teach our children? Well, first and foremost, we need to teach them how to listen and obey. That's clear in the text. That's a command they're given. So it'd probably be good to teach them that. Teach them how to listen and obey. Now, that takes longer. It's easier to spank them into submission. But you know what? God doesn't call us to spank our children into admission. God calls us to teach and train them. And that requires us to actually sit down and help them understand what we're saying, why it's important, and call them to obedience to it. That's our calling. And that's implicit in the text. We ought to teach them. Now, principally, we ought to be teaching them the word of God, what's in Scripture, and then applying it to their lives. That's what we're supposed to be doing on a regular basis. And most of you do that. I know you. I know you. You're good. Most of you inside, you're good parents who try and do that. But I'm just trying to remind you, that's our calling. That's what we're called to do. And let me say this one last thing to parents, because I know I only got five minutes with you. You know, when I was growing up, when I was growing up, my mother didn't have to talk to me about a whole bunch of stuff because I wasn't exposed to a whole bunch of stuff. My mother never talked to me about sex. My mother never talked to me about, you know, violence and all this other stuff um, she, she, because she didn't have to. But if you're a 21st century parent, hear me. This is important. We have to talk, about, uh, we have to, talk to our children about everything because they're exposed to everything. And you know what? It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. I remember the first time I had to talk to our daughters, our children, about homosexuality. I think my daughter at the time was five or six because we were walking down the road, and she saw something. I never thought in a million years I would have to do that at five and six. But I had to. Now, look, we could pretend like these things don't happen, and wall everything off from our children so we don't have to have these uncomfortable conversations. But I'll tell you this. If you don't have that uncomfortable conversation, their pair on the playground will. And if you don't have that conversation with them, their teacher will. And if you don't have that conversation with them, someone on the Internet will. So we need to wake up. I, I tell our, our children, there is no conversation off limit around the Lewis table. Now I exercise wisdom. I, I try to go as, as deep as I need to. But you better believe we talk about everything. And sometimes it's shocking to people when we start doing it. But let me tell you this. If, if it's exposed everywhere in our community, you better expose it and talk about it and deal with it. That's our calling, right? Okay, real quick. That's what's implicit. Now, what is explicit? Explicit is do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Now, does this, does this text uh, get women off the hook? No. Now, why did Paul just say fathers? 
because fathers, again, like I said, were, was king of the house. So he, he mentions this strictly to fathers, but this, this is for fathers and mothers as well. And what does he tell us? What's explicitly mentioned in this passage? Do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. In other words, don't cause your children to get angry and frustrated that they give up. Now, how do we do this? How do we cause our children, how do we provoke our children lest they become discouraged? I have two ways in which we do that, and you need to watch out for these. Okay, I know I only have two minutes left, but, but here it is. First of all, we, cause our, we provoke our children and cause them to be discouraged by being too strict. Too strict. You know, I, I get it. We, we need to discipline our children, but we don't need to be too strict. When we are too strict, we, 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 we like choke the life out of our children. You know, it's okay if they slam the door. You don't have to rush over there and tell them how wrong that is. That's just blow, let them blow off a little steam. And maybe go back to them a little later and have a conversation. But don't be too strict. You don't have to give them a soliloquy every time they sin. You don't have to, you don't have to turn every moment into a teachable moment. You know, next thing you know, you have a hymnal and you're singing the doxology. I mean, that... that that, that really chokes the life out of children. You don't have to do that every time. And, I, and by the way, I'm saying this because this is something that I have to struggle against. My children, every time I go to discipline them, they're like, oh, just spank us, Dad, please. Oh, for the love of all things holy. Now, look. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I'm trying. I'm trying. But not too strict. Give them a little space. Now, how else do we, do we uh, frustrate our children and make them angry? I'll, I'll say this, not being strict enough. There's some of us, you know, we're, we're not strict enough. Children need boundaries and rules. You know this. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. But they need boundaries and rules. Godly and wise boundary and rules. We don't give them too much commands, right? You, you know, your children running around with, 500 laws in their head. Don't touch this. Don't do this. You know, that's, the, uh, that's one extreme. But running around with no commands. Oh, that's awful too. You frustrate them. Make them angry. So you want to put down godly, wise counsel. Now, let me say this uh, final thing. Um, because parenting is hard. Sometimes you can get discouraged. I remember reading, um, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it, and just being careful. Lord, how am I, how am I going to train my children? What if they, you know, one of my biggest fears is my children don't know the Lord. I'll give my entire life to ministering to God, and my children grow up and not knowing the Lord. It, man, that terrifies me. It keeps me up at night. And, and what do I do to quiet my heart in that, those moments? Uh, to be honest, I, I just look to the greatest parenting relationship I know, and that's the relationship between the father and the son. You know, the father um, told the son, go, go into the world and redeem a people unto myself. And the son said yes. And because that relationship exists, 
we are now brought into relationship as well as children of God. And the only hope that I have is the grace that flows from that relationship flows through me to my children that I might love them and serve them. And, and the faith that I exercise that God will bring them to himself. And that's what you need to do as well. I don't want you to ever think that if you do this, then this will happen. That's not how the spirit works. You create the conditions for growth in your home. You have family worship. You talk to them. You put down godly wisdom. You do all that you can. But don't think for one moment that those things guarantee that your children will know the Lord. If your children come to know the Lord, it's purely by the grace of God. Nothing else. That, that will prevent you from writing books. On, on You know, people, they have some success and they're like, I need to write a book on this. You know, if I ever write a book on parenting, you know what it would say? But for the grace of God. Full stop. Here you go. That's my book. Because it is. And sometimes we could become prideful when we have children that do exactly what they're supposed to do. But at the same time, if your children are, are wayward, it's not necessarily because you failed. Your children are moral agents. If you've done the best you can, trust that the Lord will bring them back. Now, what's the big takeaway? I have, I have a few, and I'll be very quick. I lie a lot. You know, I tell you, I've, you know, two minutes, three minutes, and all that. Lord, forgive me. I just want to give you some quick takeaways. Here's the first one. Young children, look at me again. Obey your parents. Obey it. Please, I beg you, that it may go well with you in the land. Uh, parents, teach your children. Parents and guardians, teach your children. Be vigilant and faithful. Teach them to love and know the Lord. Older children, um, while you're not called to obey your parents, you're, all, you're also called to honor them. The word honor means heavy. In other words, let their words carry weight in your life. Whether they're believers, unbelievers, whether you think they're good parents or bad parents, let their words carry weight in your life. Listen to them. Listen to them. Grandparents. You know, I've read an article recently that there are more grandparents today raising their children's children than ever before. Grandparents, you, you are part of the promises of God. You have a role in teaching your children's children as well. Now, there's some outliers in here. Those of you that don't have children, those of you whose parents um, have passed on, what's your call in, in the gospel? Well, your call in the gospel is support families. Look for ways to teach children. Look for ways to come, come alongside of parents. Let's go to our Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for these people's patience and them listening. Most importantly, thank you for your word that gives us wisdom and understanding. Lord, who is sufficient for all of these things? None of us. And that's why we plead your grace and mercy. Oh, Lord God, to you we rest for all things. Guide us, we pray, in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen and amen.